What's up, everyone? Yes, it is I, your host, Natalie Morrison, and you might be thinking, wasn't this called Swim Masters? Well, yes, it was, and you're definitely in the right place. We decided that we wanted to give the podcast a bit of a makeover, and we're so proud to introduce to you Revoicing the Future, a Women of NAM podcast. Don't worry, it's still the same content, still the same hosts. We just wanted to take this to the next level. And we're excited that you're joining us on this fantastic journey. The episode that you're currently listening to was recorded before the name change. And I just wanted to let you know that you are in the right spot. So keep on listening. Be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for all new episodes of Revoicing the Future, a Women of NAM podcast coming soon. Welcome to Swim Masters, a podcast dedicated to help connect, grow, and support women in the music products industry. I am your host, Natalie Morrison. The Smart Women in Music Fund was established in 2018 by Robin Valenta, Dee Dee Hyde, and Crystal Morris to expand diversity, inclusion, and support for women in the music product space. Twice a month, I will sit down and host virtual conversations with various women across our industry to help foster mentorship and growth. Now, without further ado, Let's dive in. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Swim Masters. We're back. <laughs> it's been so long. It really has. It's been, how's your summer been now? Oh, how's it it's, been, it's been good. You know, moving, working, mm. trying to enjoy life and the good weather, traveling a bit. Yeah. How about you, Steph? About same, moving, working. <laughs> we both moved in a very short span of time. Yeah, it's been great. It's uh, it's been a summer. It's been kind of a little a little lower heat than spring was. So I guess fall will be picking back up. But it was nice to have a little bit of a lull, you know? Right? I know. Free. Which so is a good exciting. segue into this topic as we ramp up into fall and more things happening. Seriously. It's a little stressful, yeah. <laughs> it does, yeah. I'm sure. And how do we deal with it? I don't know. So in case you're new here and you don't know who we are, my name's Natalie Morrison. I am <laughs> the co-host and co-producer of Swim Masters, and I'm here with my sidekick. Stephanie Lamont. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Steph. Great to, great to meet you. I'm the project manager for the San Francisco chapter of the Recording Academy. Um, and same, yeah. And I engineer and produce podcasts and write and record music, but I'm not doing that. And Natalie and I have grown up around the music industry, and that is the context through which we are approaching these conversations. And um, what's up? So um, I am currently the public relations strategist at Diderio, based in New York, and I help with Swim in my free time. So, now you know who we are. A couple of housekeeping things. As we mentioned at the end of the last episode, and if you were at the swim meet at the Summer NAM show, we um, were taking the time to deal with personal life stuff, but also we wanted to, I, I don't want to say revamp the podcast, but we're taking the podcast in a slightly different direction than we did um, 
in previous seasons. Still the same goal and same focus, but we are trying to develop Swim Masters into a bigger content series that focuses on um, very specific topics. So instead of having a biweekly podcast, we are doing it on a monthly basis where we're going to have more content coming out. uh, And it gives more people time to digest everything and really take in what they hear from each episode because it they're filled with just wonderful knowledge and wisdom and information that we hope everyone here finds valuable. So yeah. we're really it opens excited. up the whole ecosystem for blogs. You'll see other things popping up. There's also so much more ways to get involved. So it's gonna be a whole a world ecosystem. Exactly. And we are also going to be working alongside the swim education committee with their new virtual monthly series called deep dive and trying to have our topics um, coincide so that it's one big giant theme where people can get different things out of the various conversations that we have so connecting supporting growing the wonderful incredible women in our industry so stephanie who are we talking to today (laughs) We just uh, finished talking to Jessica Zeringer, uh, goes by Jess as well, um, and she's a licensed mental health professional in Chicago. So this episode and the next one as well, we're really going to focus on burnout and mental health in the workplace and how to recognize when you are hitting your wall, what your baseline is and what to do if you're realizing you're in an environment that is not healthy for you. If you hit a, even in your environment, your workload, everything, how to have it recognize that and um just gives us some good strategies for like what to do and also emphasizes though what what just absolutely blew my mind about this is that this conversation is so huge and so wide that we just kind of begin to touch on it with Jess and it's we and then with that try to really rein it into uh, in this just context of the conversation more like an office office workplace uh perspective because there's so many different ways mental health affects our work depending on what we do so um in this tiny lens we approach this conversation with Jess but there's so much more out there and she's going to share a lot of resources in the show notes and uh it's just fascinating so that it's kind of kicking off the theme of this fall is going to be exploring burnout mental health and today we're talking to Jess yes so and I did mention before that Twin Masters is going monthly but in between this, we felt that this mental health conversation and the burnout conversation had to be done in two parts. So it's going back to the old formatting just for this particular theme, because we feel like it's really important to have the space to digest both conversations, but keeping them close together because they both are very relevant to one another. So we hope you enjoy it and get something out of it. Thanks for listening. So without further ado, I think we should get into it. <laughs> Do you want to go? <laughs> I thought you were going to oh, start. Oh, am I just Yeah, I thought you were just going to start. <laughs> I always defer to you to like All right. make the first. I will. No, we, no, let's do it. I'll change it All up. Right, let's, it. let's show it. And we should also keep this thing because it's funny. Hello, everyone. Welcome to season two of Swim Masters. We're flipping it. I'm saying hello today. I'm Stephanie Lamont, the sometimes co-host, 
pass it over to Natalie, our host of this podcast. Hey, hey. And today we are joined by a wonderful guest. Jess, you want to introduce yourself and say your your title? Yeah, so I'm Jessica Zeringer, and I go by Jess mostly, and I am a licensed mental health professional. Amazing. So yes, as the world is what it is, there's a lot we'll delve into later with current events and everything, but it's never not relevant to talk about how we can make our workplaces more healthy as it goes toward mental health and, and, and watching burnout and watching all this stuff. So we wanted to bring Jess on to have a conversation to hopefully give us one, some context about all this and how we can recognize it ourselves, and then also some strategies and how to do something about it if you realize, oh my God, I am suffering from all of this right now, and I didn't know that that was what it was or something. So, um, but let's start leaving for some context on what you do. Tell us your story in stealing something from Renee Brown's podcast that I'm obsessed with. So how did you find your calling and this work? We just, just take us back to you finding all yeah, this. Yeah, so Brene Brown is awesome first. Um, I've always thought about <laughs> mental health um, it's been something that's been prominent in my life or others around me uh, since I can remember. I've always had to think about mental health for my own wellness and overall well-being to be able to live fully. And I love being able to meet people where they are, showing up with compassion and to share my knowledge with others so that they too um, can live fully or at least have additional tools in their toolbox to be healthy. Amazing. So right. And so did you... How did, did you figure this out in like high school or college? Like what was your like actual career journey path to into this? Cause I feel like it's never linear. Like how did you know this was like job wise hop around of what, what you were going to be doing? Yeah. So my undergrad um, is in psychology um, and then I have a minor in sociology. Um, and then I also have a master's in women's studies and gender studies, as well as a master's in social work with a specialization in mental health. Um, during my undergrad, I did a lot of activism work, um, even doing work on Capitol Hill during my final winter break. And then once I graduated, I began doing full-time community organizing within the political sector, but it was very social. You know, it's something that you talk with a lot of people and you kind of learn um, different stories. And then as I spent a lot of time within that world, I realized there was so much I had to learn and so many things I needed to unlearn, which is a big reason why I went to graduate school uh, for this. Currently, I work full-time right now as a clinical operations coordinator in a nonprofit and part-time as a psychotherapist in private practice. So if that answers your question. No, totally. I mean, and all that does that you give, I love, I always really, really respect you when someone has that drive in that direction. I love that you have just, you, the short answer to that would have been, yes, you totally did know. Like, it's always, it's just, it's <laughs> yeah, it's just like always something. Yeah. It's amazing. But I do love how that's, um, uh, and, and skip a few forward that I was going to ask you, I guess, what, um, how you, you've stayed dynamic of, I've loved how it's your, your studies have always kind of been the half, the women and gender studies stuff, like the more sociological context with psychology and social work. So, and that sounds like that kind of became more prominent as you started doing more of the activism work and everything, right? Was it you started right. more clinical and realized you wanted to know the, the whys of all of this? Right, exactly. And I just fell cool. in love with it. Like, it's kind of been a lifelong thing. I just, like I said, mental health has always been a part of my life. And I don't yeah. think I even realized that it was something that I could do for a living. Like, I was like, oh, wow, this is something I could actually do, which is, <laughs> is wild. <laughs> That's so rude. And, and that is so important because it's, like, I, I feel like so much of what, of, of talking about women and our health in the workplace and everything is not as simple as just the now. It's it's asking how we got here and, like, why we don't feel comfortable talking about this stuff. So 
I I so respect that that's kind of the two halves of your your path. So so excited to talk to you about this. Yeah. Thank you. Um and yeah, what See. Oh, and I wanted to just kind of work in a little bit of music to this. And you're in Chicago right now, right? Yes. Yes, I am. What is your favorite place to go see a show in Chicago? Um, Probably like either the Empty Bottle or just like house shows are really great. I actually yeah. just recently went to a house show and I have this Spotify playlist that I'm just going to I have three awesome Spotify playlists that I constantly keep up yes, with. Yes. So look me up on Spotify. Yes. Um, but yeah, like a couple of weeks ago, I went to a house show that's very big in Chicago. I don't know if that's big where you all are, but um, and it was outside, so safe. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was really amazing to like get back and to see live music. Yes. That's that was, so that's cool. also very Chicago of you to be like, it wasn't even a venue. It was something. <laughs> My husband yeah. used to be a concert photographer and everything for Chicago. And okay, cool. So, that's awesome. Yeah, um, it's like very scary. Like, like now it's cool. scary. <laughs> no, it's like I love festivals. So like my favorite festival here in Chicago, I would say is either Pitchfork or Riot uh. Fest. Yeah. Um, but I nice. love Riot Fest. So, but you know, I'm just a little too kind of nervous to go with that many people at this at this point um it's scary yeah, yeah. Outside, house party house yeah i just well, like don't know yeah so. he's into it yeah exactly <laughs> fully support i love um, it we're cool. we should um in your little article page on the website we'll link out your spotify playlists because i just yeah. think Amazing. that's gonna be really fun <laughs> yes. cool so um Back to back to the, the serious stuff, but I just want to deviate for a second. Um, so as we as we talk about the whys of all this too, right? Like so on a on a big picture level in your work thus far and um, in your studies and everything, what 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 might you say are the main issues facing women and women identifying folks in the workplace today? As as it might help people to contextualize as they think about this on a, a high level. Yeah, so the revolution will be intersectional. There's not just one movement. We always yeah. need to include women of color, trans women, undocumented women, indigenous women, queer women, disabled women, women experiencing homelessness, and so forth. Um, and really, it's people are person, especially when we think about gender nonconforming folks. Every person should be included. And when we think about work and workplace wellness, we want to include every person, and it starts with self-care. Um, so there's this oxygen mask scenario. Um, it, it's that if a plane is crashing, you have to put your own oxygen mask on first uh, before you can help another person. Uh, and like most things in the world, right, mental health is on a spectrum. Our experiences are all unique, even when it comes to the pandemic. There's no one size fits all for self-care either or even mental wellness. So what works for one person may not work for another, but there is a foundation, right, for ourselves. The, uh, the pandemic specifically created a climate of this unknown or unknown, uh, uncertain future, which we already in everyday, it can be an already everyday occurrence for a lot of folks. But for some, adverse mental health symptoms is a new experience, and it's shocking and scary and hard to swim through. And for folks who were already experiencing these symptoms, those feelings were magnified when the pandemic began. And into today, like I said, it's, you know, we never, we still don't know what's going on, even with the Delta variant right now. So and again, disparities in social services were also exacerbated by social distancing and increased yeah. anxieties and even vulnerability around employment, housing, and accessing critical health services for both mental and physical wellness. So it's definitely, the pandemic really kind of flipped everything on its head and was just like, this is a different, this is, 
connections were kind of stripped away from us. So it's really, we're living in a, in a different place right now. And like I said, even into today with the Delta variant. Yeah. And I think you saying that also made me realize that that question is totally the wrong way to ask the question because there's in, even like thinking in the context of our own industry, I feel like we, we tend to, cause Natalie's in my background is very like the professional side of, of the music industry. And so, and, but that's even forgetting that there are the, the factories in our industry that make these things. Like there is a complete, even within the music industry, there's such a disparity of office work versus trade work versus mm-hmm. physical work. And all of that was affected so differently. One, by the pandemic, but two, they will all have such different issues. And so this isn't even something one can even cover on one podcast. It's almost like high level. And then there's, I don't know, it's an, it's a never ending question, yeah. I guess, of how the intersection of that, how everybody how everybody's aspects of their career, their identity, and how they're just surviving in this world create what the struggles are that they're facing in that. It's so holistic. So yeah. Wow. Exactly. And it's like, like a, I said, it's different for every person. You know, it's yeah. really, it, nothing is, no two people are the same. So yeah, I also, but I love that oxygen mask scenario for that though, too. Like that, that I feel like is universal. Like take care of yourself before you can do anything. Sorry, right. now I also think it's it's interesting to point out specifically with the Delta variant that we're seeing is, and I've talked with a bunch of people about this, before the Delta variant hit, like we had this like glimmer of hope and the light at the end of the tunnel and people started to feel like they could get back to like a somewhat quote unquote normal life. And then when you start to see what's going on with the Delta variant, everyone's starting to like, sh- like shiver back a little bit and then making everyone not everyone, but people are starting to like feel the effects of their mental health, like start to creep back up again because there's a new variant that's causing havoc and we don't know what's going to happen. So I think also paying attention to those different shifts in people is important too. Oh yeah, definitely. Sure. Even our behavior, like if things start to change and I'll talk about that, you know, too, but like thinking about what we, what's, kind of common or healthy for us. And I hate the word normal, so I'm not going to use normal, but mm-hmm. what, what's our, our comp, what's our healthy and kind of looking at that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a good that's point. super cool. Um, yeah. And so I guess to, to zero in on that a little more, knowing that our audience as of now, and hopefully it will grow, but our audience as of now is still like a workplace, like office-based professional um, mid to director level uh business world of the music industry like what what in your world I guess and totally narrowing it to that lens then just for this conversation what are you seeing of like working in that lens of things that you hear from from people you work with that they're struggling with maybe top like two things you hear yeah I mean definitely like it's hard not to be connecting to people it was hard during mm-hmm. when the pandemic began but seeing people in um, it, you know, in our offices or things like that, just to say hi, um, to some people, that's their only connection or being able to leave the house. But on, on the other side of things, right, there are people who really relished in, in being able to be home, to sleep in late or to be able to be with their kid, you know, whatever that may be and whatever that may look like. So I think there is definitely two sides to working from home or folks who are now having to go back to the office, which is really hard for a lot of people. It's very anxiety provoking to like, now I have to be up early. Now I have to like get ready, right? Like now you have to do all of these things. But again, there is this other side of where folks, some folks were like, yeah, I really like being 
at home. Like, to be fair, I actually like working from home. Um, and, but you know, I also miss like to see people's faces, right. Or like to bike into work. Those were things that I definitely missed out on. Totally. And I would imagine that all of that kind of comes with the, um, that I feel like there were such different expectations of how much work someone could do working from home with, with without a commute being added to it. Yeah, and, and that's definitely something a lot of people were like, oh, I feel like I'm getting more work done. But really, it's about the same amount of work, if not less. And people, you know, are putting in nine to 10 hours because it's hard to switch off. Like, okay, yeah. now it's time for work. Whereas like when you are in an office, you're stepping into an office, time to work, you leave, you know, maybe you have emails on your phone, but with home, it's like, it's always there. Like you look and there's your office, there's your desk, there's everything. So it's hard to really turn off. Oh, yeah. when, it, when this first hit, I was, we were in a one bedroom, that one too, thank goodness. But like my, 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 my work computer was literally right next to my side of the bed. And that was <laughs> so not great. I would like wake up in the morning and fall asleep with my monitor and just like, Oh, oh, see, that's so bad for your sleep health. Oh, my <laughs> gosh, yeah, Stephanie. <laughs> I know, I know, we moved. Anyway, okay, thank you so much for that. Oh, my gosh, I feel like that's totally up. I'm going to pass off Natalie now for more of, like, getting into the nitty-gritty of the mental health discussion, which mm -hmm. I feel like we already kind of kicked off. But, yeah, wow. Now we, now we have our foundation, and we're moving ahead to how we can continue to grow. Beautifully said, Steph. Thanks. <laughs> so, um, a big inspiration for this particular conversation, um, obviously the Olympics happened several weeks ago and the big story that was coming out from the Olympics was Simone Biles' decision to step away from the gymnastics portion for several days due to her mental health concerns. So we felt that now more than ever, it's important to have this type of conversation about our professional and personal lives. So speaking from the professional world, what's the most important first thing someone can do if they feel like they're struggling at work due to toxic environments, workload, or not feeling that they have the right support? And these like these may all be different things too, but let's just start. Yeah, there. I was gonna say first I really want to like talk a little bit about Simone Biles and her decision to do that. Yeah. Um, I recently read an article about this idea of perfection in relation to Simone Biles and the title of Simone Biles, mental health and the pressure to be perfect. Resilience is about recharging and prioritizing your mental well-being. Um, it was written by Paula Davis, who is a stress management and work-life balance expert, essentially stating that many people feel like there's an actual space of perfection or a person that could constitute as perfect. And that's just not based in reality. All things and people have flaws. And of course, flaws can still be really beautiful. And what she showed us is also put a spotlight that recognizing mental health is just as important as physical health. Um, and also, like your productivity is not your worth. And similar right. to that oxygen metaphor, we cannot continue to fill our cup as it'll overflow without dumping some of the water, meaning boundaries and self-care go hand in hand. And Simone showcased the critical importance and connection of mental health boundaries, right? Right. And again, like every person is different. Nothing is linear. And even two people struggling, let's say with anxiety may present differently. So it's whatever works for that person. Um, and that also takes me to this place of mental health stigma, especially within the workplace. Um, many people struggle with speaking about their mental wellness as if it is not as important as physical illness, which of course it is. 
So it's imperative that we support each other during difficult times, especially like the pandemic, and give each other grace to feel those emotions. And I'll sometimes ask folks I work with and even within my own circle, what can I do to support you to really grasp what the person may need? They may want to just talk or just a hug, maybe a curated Spotify playlist sent to them. But again, not every person may feel safe speaking about their mental well-being in the workplace for a number of reasons. I think the narrative of mental health is changing and it's becoming more open now that work, workplaces are realizing, right, how important our mental health oh, yeah. and physical health are to work and a positive work environment. Um, you know, again, it's not accessible for everyone. You know, some people might feel that they're going to get fired and they have no other source of income. So there's different ways to take care of our own wellness. Um, and of course, if it's accessible to people, a therapist can also be helpful in today's climate. Um, you can find therapists by calling the back of your insurance card, or um, I really like the website Psychology Today, which goes across the U.S. Um, you can do like a specific search for criteria, and also even like taking your taking care of yourself before it gets to that critical point. But if you feel comfortable asking for what you need at work, if you feel comfortable again, like it's it's up to the person because, like I said, not everyone has the ability to be able to say, hey this is a bad day for me. I need to go home. It's for my, you know, mental health. Right. Right. That's really yeah, interesting. That muscle. Cause that, you're right. That's so, and that's almost something that we all can do as we move along in our careers. Anybody who's doing this, anybody who manages other people, making sure as you're building a relationship with someone that you're modeling that the importance of that for right. anybody who you, uh, you affect showing that this is now a norm. And that like, I, I know I, I still don't feel comfortable doing that. Like, and I, I right. totally could, my boss would be grabbed and fine with it. But like, it's, I know personally, I, that's not part of my muscle musculature yet. It's ugh. right. And I also think though, too, is, you know, I was just talking with um, someone the other day about how they're like, well, if I tell my boss, right about this, then they may look at me differently or they may think less of me. And so there's mm -hmm. that other idea, right? which is time to decrease the stigma because just because you have a mental health yeah. condition or you're, you know, um, working within mental health, you know, you're having some symptoms, right? Like that doesn't mean you're not smart. That doesn't mean you're yeah. not right. healthy. It's not a weakness. Not yeah. at all. It's also really interesting uh -huh. too, because your body will tell you mm -hmm. that you need to sit back, like relax and take <laughs> care, care of yourself. I, my body tells yeah. me, uh, like, sometimes I just look really tired to people and I'm, and I might not be tired, but like my body is like, no, Natalie, like <laughs> you need to slow it down a little bit. So I think paying attention to your body in that mm -hmm. sense makes it a little bit more physical and like relatable for people who might not be able to, I guess, like compare the two. Right. And again, like it first, for some people that go on like jogs or they're moving their body in some capacity, at least three or four times a week, right? When we go back to like physical health and what that looks like, if all of a sudden you're like, oh, I don't want to do that. Or all of a sudden you're like, I, you know, it's just like taking care of our physical health and our mental health go hand in hand. So like moving our body, eating what works for you, right? Like not salads every day necessarily, but at least some kind of vegetables in some capacity, yeah. if, if you're <laughs> able to do so. Yeah. Um, and like, also like if you're sleeping more, I mean, it, it's okay to sleep a little bit more, but if you're sleeping past your alarm, not being able to go to work or, you know, sleeping instead of going out and connecting with friends, these are when, you know, it kind of that light bulb moment should go off. And those are all physical symptoms that are really 
could be um, kind of correlated to your mental health. Yeah. I want to go back really quickly to mm-hmm. what you meant when we were talking, when you were talking about Simone Biles and yeah. the idea of perfectionism. And I just read a chapter in Brene Brown's Dare to Lead book that, and she defined what perfectionism is, perfectionism is and what it isn't. And everything that it isn't is just totally damaging to like yeah. yourself because you're propping yourself up on this pedestal, like thinking that if you don't do something perfect, that you're not good enough and you start to tear yourself down. And really it's, I can't think of the word that I want to use, but it's, it's not the greatest for you. <laughs> Stabilitating. Yeah. Maybe. There you go. Stabilitating. Yeah, that's it. There you go. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, and perfectionism comes in, like, it's kind of in our faces with social media, kind of like looking at and, and comparing yourself oh. to other people where that's not, that's a curated self. That's a curated, what people want people to see. Like, you know, when we're crying, I mean, some people do, right? That, that, which is amazing. But when we're crying, I'm not like taking a selfie and be like, look at me, I'm crying, right? <laughs> so it's crying. like, and then always be like, oh, this person has this, or this person looks like this. But that's just, that's not the reality. That is what, you know, it's a curated reality. Um, and there is no such thing as perfectionism. We don't know that person. We don't know what happened before, after that picture. Just You just don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard. Social media can get rough. And that's why taking breaks from social media is also a big part of self-care. Totally. So I'd love to touch on the, the importance of those healthy boundaries and both in our personal lives and in our professional lives and how they Mm -hmm. affect each other. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So boundaries help to organize our lives so that we can maintain long-term emotional and physical wellness. Uh, Many people implement different types of boundaries and create ones that best fit with their lifestyle. Uh, An example of a common boundary that I don't hear often or that is seemingly a scary word is the word no. Um, Other than the word no, incorporating boundaries into our everyday life is imperative to our mental health trajectory. Um, And some examples of everyday boundaries can include promising to take care of yourself before others, fully unplugging from work when you're off, so not answering emails at like nine, if that's possible for you. Also setting times that we're working, especially working from home, like we kind of talked about, and not overtaking more projects and responsibilities and work if you already feel overwhelmed. Again, this goes back to the word no giving yourself one hour of alone time each week, again, if that's possible, and really whatever you need to do to recharge. So it really, it's hard. Boundaries are, can be hard, but when you start to actually implement them, it gets, you know, you kind of see your life changing a little bit. And boundaries are a po- you know, positive, healthy aspect of our lives. And it may feel uncomfortable or inconvenient to set boundaries, but in times when you're feeling overwhelmed, stressed, anything of that nature, they ultimately protect you from feeling worse, particularly, you know, for caregivers or parents or people who are taking care of others, these boundaries can feel impossible to take on. However, boundaries are a tool for making sure you're well enough to take care of others by taking care of yourself first. I love that. I, oh. I, uh, I, I try, I try to set boundaries for myself. I also, I'm, I'm very strict with myself when it comes to having a routine. Mm-hmm. And if I don't follow the routine, I feel flustered because I feel like I'm not like 
for example, this morning, I had no hot water. So, like, my morning no. routine was, like, kind of Ugh. disrupted. And I was, like, a little frazzled by it. But I was like, no, just take a breath. Like, you'll be fine. Like, you're just pushing things off a little bit. But having that routine and, like, setting those boundaries for yourself. But that also is is not fun. And it's also no. okay to say, yeah, this this is the worst. This is not okay. <laughs> this, is, this is not a fun morning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well and what a loop too about as we are talking about this bringing it even just back to perfectionism like where that goes in my brain is that I get mad at myself for the times I have not respected my own boundaries and taken on a third project you know and then I'm like oh I'll be better next time but like I still haven't made the change now like I can't now I can't quit it can't like end it so what a what a vicious cycle of like Mm -hmm. it's all that's almost even that's one of the first steps is trying to rid yourself of that perfectionism or that that just idea of what you should be doing because I feel like that totally must get in the way of setting healthy boundaries exactly totally. and if you set a boundary and it doesn't happen like I said like if you say oh I have to go on a bike ride or you know to move my body in some capacity and you're just not feeling up to it it's okay it's okay to just like you know, do whatever else, play on your phone, watch TV, whatever. It's okay. And then you'll do it tomorrow. You'll do it the next day. That's okay too. We kind of touched on this, but I want to kind of dive deeper into this. But one part of the conversation around Simone that struck both Stephanie and I was how pervasive and the dismissal of mental health still is like the whole invisible illness conversation. Um, so how do you think we can go about changing this narrative so that it's not called the invisible illness and people are actually taking it seriously? Well, first is just talking about it like we're doing right now. But, you know, physical and mental health are both so important, but they do look different. Um, and we can see someone bleeding, right? But we cannot necessarily see another person struggling, though there are warning signs such as someone not being as active or engaged. Um, so I'm going to have a change in that behavior. Once we decrease the stigma that burdens people from seeking help, we can begin to dismantle the pain that people go through when they're not seeking active help for their mental health. We can do this by providing a non-judgmental space to discuss emotions and feelings. Another way is to ask the person how you can best support them, kind of like we discussed earlier, right? Or if you see a change in a friend, hey, is everything okay? Also, it's important to think of your own baseline, right? So what are some signs that you're not feeling well and feeling cared for? These can be physical, emotional, spiritual, you know, more specifically for your mental health. What does it look like when you're starting to not feel like yourself? Signs that you may not be in crisis, but that stress is starting to interfere in a noticeable way. For example, like difficulty focusing, maybe less social, just what's not your baseline, right? Do you two have a baseline? Kind of like, are you notice yourself when you're not? (laughs) Yeah, when I'm hitting that point of like, yeah, Yeah. I start to, my heart starts to like go. And then I also just, uh, yeah, it's like, there's just too much in here. Yeah, and I know. My eyes yeah. get really tired. Okay, so those are some physical signs that yeah. you're like, hey, this is not, I'm not doing well. And you kind of change that, right? You kind of change whatever you've been doing, kind of like level up on care or reach out to someone. So that's like the way to do it. And reaching out to someone who is safe is also important, right? 
And I just want to reiterate that self-care can be really difficult. That's why giving yourself a judgment-free zone is crucial. If you're sleeping in longer than usual, that's okay. Maybe your body needs rest. If you're eating more than usual, that's okay too. If you're not writing your first novel, that's okay. Um, (laughs) Times can be really difficult. Um, And I once heard that we should treat ourselves like we treat a small child. If you feel like sleeping in, why not sleep in? Give yourself that grace. Why do we need to be productive and begin life-changing projects constantly or just be kind of go, go, go all the time? Treating ourselves like the fragile human beings we are during difficult moments or just all the time will maintain the wellness and clarity we need during especially these uncertain times, but always. Um, So that's super important. And I just want to... Yeah, and I have some resource lines, too, that hopefully I can send to you all. You know, you or someone you know is struggling, you know, to really help. And there's some great places like the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, the Trans Lifeline, and the NAMI National Helpline. I was going to say, too, in that, the intersection of, like, culture with that, too, like, every community and also, like, ethnic community has such different dialogue about mental health and everything. Like, as as an and so... I know one for if, if anyone is a, from an Asian cultural background, my friend Carrie started something called the Asian uh, Mental Health Network. And there's there's things like that. And I can't speak for anything other than the Asian community, but mm-hmm. there are so many cool conversations starting about how people are bringing it to their own communities and starting because every community, too, is starting from a different baseline. Yes. Baseline. Like, yes. What, who's what what parents were talking about, what what families, what communities were acceptable with. So. Also noting that and, and knowing to just look for it for whatever you know you're starting from. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, not everyone's a mental health professional, so it's not like, oh, this person is not Fair. feeling this. But if you yeah. notice someone, hey, like, what can, again, and I love saying this, like, what can I do to support you? And if someone yeah. says nothing, I'm good. Okay, then you're good. But just to check yeah. in with someone. Well, and cool that, I love that you asked us what our baselines were. <laughs> also, as I know, building muscles, like, yeah. I, I was able to answer that. And I know, and I, but what's scary is I hit that like once a week right now. I hit that oh. and then I'm like, okay, I have to like reset and restart. But like, I haven't gotten to a place where I haven't, I don't hit that often enough where I know I've built my reality about that. But the first step, I guess, probably with oxygen mask is I can know in my body when I'm hitting this level mm-hmm. that I need to walk back from. And yes. Then, and then eventually I'll hit it less. Right. <laughs> it's important. That's cool. It's cool. So everybody listening, think about that. Find your find your baseline. Yeah, for sure. And I think too, from like a productivity, like workplaces, productivity is not everything. Like it's okay to relax. <laughs> yeah. It's okay to not have something to do. It's okay to take a day for yourself. It's okay to not even like go do an errand. Like so many people are like, oh, I can't just sit in the house. I need to go run an errand. I'm like, no, it's just it's okay to relax and, and just hang out if, if you can, if that's possible for the person, but. It's so interesting too, because I think when the vaccine rollout started happening and things started to open up again, people were saying yes to everything because they wanted to fill Mm -hmm. up the time that they missed over the past like year and a half. And we forget how much energy it takes to do all of those things. So, and your body's not used to it. So you get tired, you get tired quicker, or you get overwhelmed quicker. So it's important to pay attention to that. Like you don't have to do everything all the time. Like you're not wasting any time by like taking a step back. 
Exactly. Yeah. And I actually read this article about like social hangovers. Yes. So after the pandemic, like pe- like people, uh, like you're saying, like do it. Well, not after we're still in it. Right. But um, yeah. people were still <laughs> like more. doing more and more. I am guilty of it too. And it's just like, you're so tired because yeah, your body's just not used to it. It's just, it's just hard. It's just, yeah, it's like a hangover, but socially. <laughs> um, and feeling like you've done something wrong for seeing people too. Yes. I'm still unlearning like that if, if I'm doing it safe, I can see people, but it's still this weird guilt that I now feel from like being in my own brain, socializing this whole year of like, you know, recoiling from human interaction like that in person. And that's another aspect of the social hangover. Exactly. Well, Jess, Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us and sharing your wisdom and resources with the Swim Masters audience. I think this is going to be really helpful. We'll link everything that was mentioned in the description (laughs) and on our website as well. Yeah, this needs like a part three through five. It's such a huge, like season two is just for now now yeah that's all we're going to talk about thank you thank you so much of course thanks for having me thanks for listening to this episode of swim masters don't forget to follow us on social media including facebook instagram and linkedin if you'd like to learn more please visit us at smartwomeninmusic.org This episode was co-produced and edited by Stephanie LeMond, Natalie Morrison, and Julia Olson. See you next time.